I'm the campus minister with Reformed University Fellowship. Uh, this thing that you've stumbled into. No. thought I turned it off. Um, the thing you've stumbled into. So we're a Christian ministry. We try to make a big campus feel small. I say that every week. Uh, we also ask, does the Christian faith have anything to say uh, to being a college student? And uh, we want to grow in our faith, too, as Christians. So um, I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time, um, I say come back and keep exploring with us uh, Christianity and also have fun with us, like come to White Sands or do something like that with us. So um, it's great to see you all here. So um, let's dive right in. We've been looking through the Gospel of John this uh, semester. Is this week six? My gosh. So it's week six. Goodness gracious. Um, We've been looking through the Gospel of John, which is uh, a book that uh, one of Jesus' followers wrote 2,000 some odd years ago, reflecting on who Jesus is, what Jesus said about himself. And then we've been asking the question of how does that continue to affect and shape uh, our lives today and how we uh, live and breathe and operate in uh, New York, uh, New York, in New Mexico. I'm going to talk about New York in a second. Uh, so anyways, um, so several times throughout the, uh, the book of John, uh, Jesus makes some very profound statements about who he is. We looked at one last week where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. We're going to look at another one tonight. Um, it's going to be real short, uh, and then uh, we'll see what it has to do. So if you have a bulletin or Bible, turn to John chapter 8, uh, and we're just going to look at one verse tonight. Uh, so this is John chapter 8, verse 12. This is God's word. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is God's word. Would you all pray with me? Father, Son, Spirit, uh, we are in week six of the semester, and uh, probably tests are starting to build up, and um, we're starting to feel tired a little bit, starting to feel fatigued. At least I know I am. Um, so we do pray that as we try to concentrate on your word tonight, that you would be with us, uh, that you would speak through your word once again uh, in Las Cruces in 2019 at New Mexico State in the Spiritual Center, uh, to each one of our hearts. We pray that you would do this for your kingdom and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So one verse tonight. You know, in the past we've looked at several verses. We've looked at a large section of scripture. And tonight, there's just one thing that uh, Jesus is saying tonight that I think is extremely important for it. One small uh, but really important thing that, Jesus, that this, is what, this is what John is saying. He's saying that Jesus is the light who frees us from the darkness. Jesus is the light who frees us from the darkness. And to look at and see how, how that works out, uh, we're going to look at that in three ways, right? We're going to look at, first, what does it mean when it says Jesus is the light? Jesus is the light. Second, what is this darkness? What is this darkness and third, what is this freedom that he brings us into? So first, what does it mean when Jesus is the light? Second, what is this darkness? And third, what is this freedom? So first, Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. So uh, it's pretty clear. It's like the only thing we read, right? <laughs> uh, Jesus speaks to the, the people who are around him, and he says, I am the light. I am the light. So um, clearly he's using a metaphor because he's not photons or waves, depending on what side of the engineering degree you're on. Um, he's, he's, not, uh, he's not, he's using a metaphor, right? And so what does he mean when Jesus says, when he says, I am the light of the world? 
And so, uh, so to, to try and figure out what that metaphor means, let's think about what light does, how light operates. Uh, so this last weekend, I was in the mountains um, from Thursday to actually yesterday. I was backpacking with some old friends. And uh, so I was deep in the wilderness, like way back there. And so um, we were like 20 miles in the middle of nowhere, and there's no light pollution. And so at night, it gets real dark, right? Uh, and <clears throat> at one point, um, while we were backpacking, you know, we have all this food that we're living off of that we're carrying around, and we didn't want a bear to invade our camp, so we hung like a bear bag, which is basically like a backpack full of all the food hanging in the trees so that the bear doesn't come looking for the food and eat us in our tents. So um, we're, uh, one night we stayed up too late while we were talking, and we didn't like do all the prep work to hang the bear bag, and so all of a sudden it gets dark real fast, and we're like, oh crap, we got to hang this bear bag. So we all start fumbling around trying to get rope, and, and uh, only one of us had a headlamp, right? And so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, I've got a headlamp in my pocket. And I turn it on, and all of a sudden, we can start to see what we're doing. <clears throat> and uh, we can start to, to hang this bear back. And two things that I thought of while it was happening, and I was thinking about this text, uh, two things that happened that the light did in that moment. First, the light, light gives authority, or light in another way, light is authority. All of a sudden, because I had that headlamp, I was the one in charge. <laughs> I was the one who could say, hey, uh, Joey, you do that. Uh, Derek, you do that. Because I was the one who could start saying, I could see, and so I could start to say, I'm the one who can direct us so that we can get this stupid bag in the air so we can go to bed. Light brings authority, and light has authority. Think of it this way, when you're trying to fumble around in the dark with your friends and all of a sudden one of you flicks on their cell phone, your cell phone light, who's in charge? It's the person who has the light, right? Everyone's like, oh, we're going to do what they do because they're the ones who can see. That's the first thing that light does. Light has authority to it. The second thing that light does is light brings clarity. That's kind of like a duh. That's what light does. Like, light helps us to see. It gives us clarity, right? It, it, it gave me the ability to see clearly the rope, the knots, the tree, the pack, like everything that we were trying to do, the light made it so that could happen, right? Like it's just sort of a duh. That's what light does. So all of a sudden, think about if that's what light does, light gives us, light is authority and light gives us clarity. And Jesus starts to say, I am the light. What does he mean by that? Well, we all know that Jesus is uh, he's using this as a metaphor, and he's using it to talk about the spiritual world. He's using it to talk about his role and why he is here on earth. He's saying that I am the light, meaning that I am the spiritual authority who brings spiritual clarity. When Jesus says, I'm the light, he means that he has the authority to tell us what is true and what is false, what is right, what is wrong in the world that we can't necessarily see in the spiritual world. That he is the light who comes in and teaches, informs, tells us what is real, what is true. He brings light, spiritual light, into the world, right? And now, so that, that, that brings us to the second point. So if Jesus is the light, and that's what it means when he says he's the light, that he has authority and he brings clarity, he's bringing it into a world of darkness, right? And that's in the text. Look at it again. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, there it is, the clarity, will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so 
let's, uh, let's, I want to focus in on that phrase a little bit, of the world. I am the light of the world. What does Jesus mean when he says, I am the light of the world? And to get at that, we need to understand a little bit about how John uses words, specifically the word world, throughout his letter, throughout this gospel. Uh, All over John, the word world generally refers to like the system and the people who are opposed to Jesus. Basically, it's the people who are opposed to Jesus' authority and who are opposed to Jesus' clarity. So here is all of a sudden you can start to feel this, this tension of Jesus says, I'm the light to a system and to a group of people who are opposed to or in hostile opposition to my authority and my clarity. The world is the realm of people that oppose Jesus and don't want his authority and his clarity. So <clears throat> the best way I can think to uh, illustrate this is that I, I lived in New York City for six years. See, I told it would come back up. I lived in New York for six years, and part of living in New York, you ride the subway all over. New York has this really impressive subway system if you've been, been there. <clears throat> and um, so there's trains that will take you pretty much anywhere in New York that you need to go. And I remember riding the train many times, like several times a day. And uh, so most of the time you just see like the wall of the subway tube. Uh, and, but every once in a while, like it would break open and you'd see like this little cavern or something that they had carved into the tunnel. And very rarely, every once in a while, you'd like, as you're whirling along, you would see in one of these little caverns, like this little community of people who are living in the subway tunnels. Maybe you've, uh, like, I don't know, watched a documentary or seen a YouTube thing on them or something, but they're like, they're called the mole people. And they live down in the subway tunnels. They live down there, like they spend all their time in the dark. And the only real light they get is like when a train, you know, rushes by and they develop like this super night vision and all this stuff. Um, But here's what's crazy is um, they actually want to live down there. They want to live down where it's like, y'all, the New York subways are not like Japan. They're horrible places. (laughs) Like there really are giant rats and they're constantly moist. I hate that word and it's true. Like the, the subway system is constantly moist and there's trash everywhere. It's just a terrible place if you're not on the train. And uh, they live down there. And they want, they like, they, they like to live down there. They prefer to live in the darkness rather than the light. The dark for them is better. They would rather live there. In fact, they only come out during, at night to get some supplies. And then they go back down. You can look them up on YouTube. It's really interesting. Um, and uh, for some of us, that might sound cool. But I think for the majority of us, that sounds really unpleasant. Like sleeping on like trash and moistness and <laughs> having giant rats, you know, not knowing where they are. Like th- that's what it is. And, and uh, that's the world that John, John writes about is, 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 a pe- is a group of people that, that want to live in the darkness, that want to live in the darkness. So, so all of a sudden Jesus says, I am the light who has come down into this community, into this group of people who are in the darkness, and they, don't, they almost want to be in the darkness. They don't want the light. In fact, earlier in John's Gospel, he writes this. He says, The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And all of a sudden, that makes the connection for us, right? 
That makes the connection. John is making a, a moral connection, a spiritual connection between darkness and evil and sin. Darkness and evil and sin. He says that he uses this imagery of light and darkness to refer to spiritual realms of sin and death and evil and of light and good. And all of a sudden, he starts to he starts to show us our own world and our own lives in it. He says, he's basically starting to say throughout his book and even now, he says, y'all, we are that mole people in the spiritual world. We are the mole people, spiritual world, that we live in darkness. And here's the kicker. A lot of the time we like it. A lot of the time we like it because you know what light does? It has the authority to come in and start saying, here's what's right, here's what's true, and you're not living that way. And as soon as that starts to happen, we get real frustrated. We get real angry. And we'd rather be in the darkness. The light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Over and over throughout the Bible, throughout John, the the Bible refers to us, spiritually speaking, as children of darkness, that we are sinners, that we like the darkness and reject the light. Now, for some of you, those of you who are Christians, those of you who grew up in the church, you're like, yeah, I've been there. Jonathan, like, I've heard this forever. Like, tell me something new, please. I, I know what you're talking about. I'm a sinner. I get it. And here's what I would say. Do you really? Do you really? I think it's one of the greatest lies of evil and of the evil one one of his best tricks is to abuse the Christian faith and the truths of the Christian faith so that they become sort of like blasé or comfortable to us, right? I do this all the time. I just think like every day, like, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And it just kind of like loses its edge, right? For those of us who have grown up as Christians, or it's just like, oh, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I'm a sinner. And we begin to neglect and not to begin to feel the weight of what that is. Here's something that I've learned over the years of being a Christian. Listen carefully to this. That generality with sin leads to passivity in sin. Passivity in sin leads to ignoring sin. And ignoring sin leads to indulging sin. Let me say that again. Generality in sin leads to passivity in sin. Passivity leads to ignoring. And ignoring leads to indulging. Do you, do you hear what that means? That means for, that, that for those of us who are Christians... When we're blasé, when we're casual about this, oh yeah, I'm a sinner. We're just stating kind of old lines that we hear in Sunday school and just kind of, yeah, this is true. It makes us complacent and it makes us passive and it makes us ignore and ultimately it leads us into great sin. It leads us into indulgence. So for those of you who might be tempted... (laughs) to kind of tune me out and say, Jonathan, say something new. I would say, yeah, the old stuff's still true. And it's important for you and me to hear it anew, to re-engage your heart. And here's what I would say, to get specific about where you're a mole person, to get aggressive about the places where there is darkness in your heart and in your life and say, where is, where is the light that is Jesus with his authority and his clarity calling me out? And we'll get, we'll get to that in a second. Now, some of you who maybe aren't Christians, you wonder, now, wait a minute, I'm not a spiritual mole person. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Why would you say that? That doesn't make sense to me. I don't live, I don't love darkness. Um, 
And I, I guess I would say, like, I would, I would echo what, what the Bible often says. It says, like, re-examine yourself. Like, is that actually a true statement when you say that? Is that actually true? Consider what God calls us to do throughout the Bible. He calls us to love God and love others with all our heart. And if you can honest, if you look me in the eye and tell me you've done that every day to every person at all times, I'll just be like, you're lying to me. Don't, like, just, you're lying at me. Don't tell me that that's, that's what you've done. And if you, and if, I mean, if you're like, yeah, you're, yeah, then that's what sin is. Sin is a failure to love God and love others perfectly. That means that we are people who walk in darkness. We are spiritual mole people. Just a couple ver- later, uh, verses later, Jesus tells us what the result of that is. He says, you are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So, that, I mean, there's the stakes right there, is that, you know, Jesus takes sin very seriously. He takes it very, very seriously. And that is when, you know, when sin looks really bad, that's when all of a sudden the gospel comes in and starts to bring us the good news, right? That's when God comes and starts to tell us, and I'm not going to leave you down in that dank, dark, moist subway tunnel. That's where the grace of I am the light of the world comes in and starts to be good news. And that's the third point, that Jesus as the light frees us and enlivens us. This is what, what Jesus means. He says, I am the light of the world. All of a sudden, that becomes really good news. No longer is that news of a light that's coming in and penetrating into our mole people darkness and showing all the places where we're evil. Suddenly, Jesus becomes this person who comes down and says, I'm the light of the world who's come to not just point out the places where you're dead, but I'm coming to bring life and light to your darkness. What Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world, means that I am the light that brings you out of the darkness, that brings you up into the light. I am the light which saves you from your sin. Jesus is the light which invades into our darkness to bring us out of the darkness. That's what he means when he says here in the verse, when he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I love that phrase. I'm still trying to figure out what it means, but it, it sounds beautiful. The light of life. I can tell you, that's what I want. I don't, I don't want to be a person who's stuck in darkness, bumbling around, not sure. I want to be someone who is somehow walking with the light in the life of light. Jesus is the person who comes down into that New York subway tunnel in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of all of that ich, and says, there's another way. There's hope. There's life. Come out into the beauties of Central Park and the wonders of Times Square and the excitement of everything that this city has to offer. Don't just sit down here in this whole cavern. Come up into the joy of thriving in the light of life. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he means, I am the light which penetrates into the darkness to save the world, to save you in the world and deliver you from spiritual darkness. Jesus is the light of the world who comes into our darkness even when we reject his light. And that's what happened, right? If you know the rest of the story of John, the the, the world saw when Jesus would make these claims and they got furious with him and they killed him. 
they extinguished the light of the world because they felt the sting of his light. You know, when you first turn on a light in a room, you're like, oh, wow, that's bright. That's what happened to Jesus. They hated what he had to do, and they killed him. And they couldn't leave. He, 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 he didn't stay dead. He comes back to life. And in that miracle, that's how we are delivered. That's how we are brought out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus is the light that was willingly extinguished so that we can live in the light of life. Friends, that's true and for me and you when we trust in Jesus. So I often say, I often say in, you know, in our messages on, on Tuesday nights, so how does this matter tomorrow? Why does, this, why does this matter tomorrow when you get up on Wednesday morning and you have to go to class? Um, that this matters for you life at NMSU. And that's true. Like, I work, we've tried really hard in RUF to say that the Christian faith really applies to your life tomorrow, in your classes and in your friendships and in your relationships. And I also want to say this. This also matters for your eternal life. This is not just something that matters for tomorrow. This is something that matters for when we die, for the eternal life. <clears throat> and that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says the light of life is that Jesus offers us a light and a life free from the slavery of sin, free from the darkness of death, and in the glorious abundance of the light of life. That's what eternity is in Jesus. It's walking, it's enjoying, it's relishing the light of life in Jesus. So what does this mean for Christians? Well, first of all, I think there is, <clears throat> there is a challenge here um, to continue looking at the places where, where we walk in darkness. Where are those places for you? And, and, and I'll say this, get specific about those places with yourself and with each other. Get specific about those places. It's, like I said, it's not enough to just um, be general about, oh, I'm a sinner. Where are the places where you have failed to love God and neighbor this week? Where are the specific times, even today, where you chose self over caring for another? I can think of at least one today where I was neglectful of my wife's emotion. That's sin, because I was stressed about something. I don't know. Where is a time when you were angry or wrathful towards another student or towards a friend or towards a professor? Where is a time when you had a superiority complex because of your athleticism or your grades or your looks or your portfolio or whatever it is? Get specific about dealing with those sins. Where is a time when you were just simply lustful? So... Uh, that's the first thing for us Christians is name specific sins, but then don't do it alone because you'll just start to beat yourself up in that. You know, when we're specific in sins in isolation, we just end up shame spiraling. We need each other to, I, I, I have good friends whom I call up and I say, hey, I blew it this week. I need you to tell me how much Jesus loves me. And they do. And you need those people in your life too. So that when you start to be aware of your brokenness, your darkness, you have people who come back and say, yeah, and the light has moved in you and is working in you and has saved you. Second uh, and third, we have to be prayerful. I hope and pray that RUF is a community where Christians are prayerful in the midst of their darkness. And fourth, be hopeful. 
Our darkness is not the end of the story. The light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. He has died. He has risen, which means that your darkness, your sin is not the end of the world. It's not the end of the story, that Jesus is not going to leave you there. And then for, you, for those of you here who are tonight who are, non, who are not sure what you believe or uh, maybe you're, you're like, yeah, I'm not a Christian, here's what I would say. Wrestle with the cosmic claims here. Wrestle with these big claims that Jesus makes when he says, I am the light of the world. When he says, I am the spiritual authority who brings spiritual clarity, namely that you're a sinner who needs saving. Wrestle with that claim. Is that true? And if so, how do you respond to it? So what do we see in this? First, we see that Jesus is the light who reveals our darkness, who rescues us out of our darkness. And second, we see that Jesus, he doesn't just, we see that we are, we are complicit in our darkness and that Jesus comes into that darkness and rescues us out of it. And that's his love, that's his grace, even to his own death, even to his own death, the light was extinguished. And that calls us to respond, either into killing the darkness that remains in us or to trusting in him. I hope and pray that we are a community who responds to the light, who's not just complacent to like, yeah, I've heard this before, but that we would anew and in newer, deeper ways as a community explore what does it mean when Jesus says that he is the light of the world and that we would be continuing to apply that to our own lives and to our community. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, um, you are the light who has invaded and broken down into our world uh, where we are so often wallowing in darkness, wallowing in our own sin and our own pride, um, that you, because you love us, were willing to be extinguished so that we can enjoy and celebrate the life of light. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would be impressed anew by that in our very hearts, that it would be something more than we just assent to with our minds, but that our hearts would be warmed by it and that you would change us from the inside out into being people who rejoice in the light of life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.